Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Dear Father, um, first just thank you for, uh, for Bree and her words. Uh, and thank you that you came up in a rolled up sleeves kind of way and uh, that you came to our mess to fix things, to make things right. Uh, and we couldn't have done it without you. And I pray that uh, we would, uh, you teach us how to celebrate that. In Jesus name, amen. Uh, last week, I, um, I shared with you guys that uh, what we celebrate um, and how we celebrate can be formative for us or it can spark, uh, spark us to take our next steps with Christ. Um, that when we celebrate something, um, it, it, can, uh, it can change us. Um, we, we talked about how God commands in the Bible over and over again to celebrate things. He says, uh, I want you to celebrate um, you know, different, different times that I've shown up for you. Um, so one example that we brought up last week is, is the Passover. Um, that's a celebration dedicated to remembering how God saved people from, um, the Jewish people from slavery. Uh, the, the verse that we brought up last week was this. It says, celebrate the festival of unleavened bread, which is connected to Passover, because it was on this very day I brought your divisions out of Egypt. It was, oh, celebrate this because remember, I saved you. I saved you from, from slavery. Uh, God commands this because he, he knew that if people put their hearts into celebrating him, if, you know, I, I can command you to celebrate someone, like celebrate my birthday. And you can be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Or you can be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll show up for your birthday party, but I'll be mad. But the idea of God saying, I command you to celebrate this is, is interesting to me. And he commands, he says, he says, I'm commanding you to celebrate this. And he says, if you put, if you put your heart into it, it would affect their relationship. It, it would, it would, uh, it would change things between them. If we make, if we make it a practice to celebrate uh, what God's done for us through Christ, it will make us more like him. Um, if, if we celebrate, if we celebrate what it cost him to come here to give us life, it will certainly change how we relate to him. Um, let me share this example. Let me share this example with you. Uh, so many years ago on a lovely day in August. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I got married to my wife, Montina. Super great. Um, it was easily one of the best weddings I've ever been to. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was very, very, it's very nice. I wish all of you could have been there. I'm not, thanks to my in-laws. It was very, very great wedding. Um, we had so many friends there, so many family there to celebrate us. Um, at the time that we had the wedding, it never occurred to me or didn't think about it. We had a Friday wedding and it was at 6 p.m. So uh, as an adult now, as an old, you know, so many years from our, from our wedding, I, I realize what we did to people when we said, hey, how about a Friday wedding at six? Um, in, in addition to, you know, that being a little inconvenient, um, there were so many people who were coming to our wedding who were like, you know, more than two hours away. Um, so in order for them to attend our wedding, they had to take at least, at least a half day off. 
if not the whole day. Um, and so, you know, they're driving two hours to come to our wedding, to get there, you know, be there at six. And then lots of them, instead of going, I mean, you know, after being at a wedding all night, who wants to drive home at 10 p.m., you know, another two, three hours. And so in addition to drive, you know, taking half the day off and driving down, then lots of them stayed in the area. So they got a hotel so they could come to it. You know, so, so now they've taken a day off. They've driven down two hours and now they're staying overnight. In addition to all of that, most of them bought us, bought us a present. They're saying, so we're going to pay all this money. We're going to give up all this money and give up all this time off to come to your wedding. And then we're going to give you a present on top of it. Uh, in hindsight, I wish, I wish I was more aware that day, you know, I wish I was more aware uh, of, of what people were giving up in order to come to my wedding. I, and and yeah, I don't, I, I only have recently just started thinking about that. I, I wish I was just aware of what people sacrificed in order to be there to, to, to celebrate us like that. Um, it, it, I, so I could look in their face and I could say, thank you for being here. So meaningful that you would come, that you would sacrifice so much to, to come and be here for us. I wonder, I wonder if celebrating their sacrifice to come to my wedding would affect my relationship with them. I wonder if it could affect my relationship with them. During this season, um, I want to take some time to pause and celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus made to come here. Um, and, and I don't, I take that for granted. And often I say, I hear Jesus came to earth. I'm like, yeah, duh. I mean, I've heard this since I was, you know, to do that, I've invited you guys to celebrate, um, participate with us, uh, in the celebration uh, with the book that Bree just referenced, um, reading, reading a book is called in the manger. Um, there's, there's 25 short entries. I promise it's short, uh, that are meant to, uh, to lead up to Christmas. And um, I'd love for you or you and your family to, to read, um, to pick up one of those and read along with us. Um, there, and so just read an entry a day. So there's 25 entries. So like on December 4th, which is today, you, you read the fourth entry and that could be. The church has bought you a book out in the lobby on the, on the white table in the middle. So if you haven't picked one up, um, please please do. I'd love for you to participate with us. And I'll, I'll bring this up all throughout the, all, all throughout the month of December. Um, I think it will help us appreciate and celebrate the sacrifices that were made for God to show up here um, and give us the gift of life and a glorious future. That's what I want to talk about today. So about 700 years before Jesus does show up to give us our glorious future, a prophet a preacher named Isaiah is warning God's people about how they live. Um, he tells the people, um, you know, he, he's, he's saying, you guys, if you need guidance, you don't go to God. You go to like a fortune teller or someone who claims to talk with the dead or you, you listen to the stars or you find, try to find your own path. But then Isaiah says, if you're God's people, then why wouldn't you talk to God? Why wouldn't you talk to him? And I find that I find that question convicting because I'm often thinking myself of all the solutions to all my problems and not seeking God. But after God, after Isaiah says that, after he says, if you're God's people, then doesn't it make sense to seek God for direction? Then he says this. Tell the, he says, tell the people who are telling you to seek direction in other, in other places 
tell them, no, we're going to study the scriptures. People who try the other ways get nowhere, a dead end, frustrated and famished. They try one thing after another. When nothing works out, they get angry, cursing this God and then that one looking this way and that up and down and sideways and seeing nothing, a blank wall, an empty hole. They end up in the dark with nothing. Another version of that second, the second verse, the 22nd verse there says, then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Um, This is a human story. This is a human story that's repeated all throughout the Bible. And and honestly, obviously repeated all throughout all our lives. Um, Even, even from the beginning of time, though, Adam and Eve, they're in this place of constant celebration and constant peace. And they question, though, they question what God said. They said, well, did God really say that? And then they're thrust into darkness, a kind of darkness. They consult someone else like we all do, and it gets them in trouble. And, and through that, that decision, they end up thrust into utter darkness. And so Isaiah says, yep, you've made decisions that land you in darkness, but, but nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress in the past. He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. So that's basically saying in the past, I humbled you, Israel, but in the future, good things. The, verse two, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy and they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, and Paul's just, a, um, this, he's referring to this time where God rescued Israel from the Midianites and judges. Um, so as the day in Midian's time, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Um, so he's basically saying, this is, this is over. This darkness is over. The original readers of Isaiah uh, would have been reading at a time when Israel was about to be destroyed by Assyria or they had just been destroyed by Assyria. Uh, so I, I've shared with some of you before that the, the ancient Assyrians were, were famous for cruelty. Uh, it was Assyrian policy to make an example of anyone who resisted them. Uh, so they, they leveraged their fear they leveraged fear to, uh, to help them destroy nations. So they would burn any nation to the ground. Um, they would skin their enemies. This is a, this is a, this is, uh, in Assyria, there's these walls where they would create this art where they were showing what they would do to people. So they would skin their enemies and then pin their skins to the wall as a statement to others. Uh, these people resisted us. <clears throat> and uh, to, to terrify the people, to terrify the living. The Assyrians would impale their, uh, their prisoners, their war prisoners, just, just under the ribs so it wouldn't kill them right away and just hang them there until they died. Uh, and again, a warning to everyone. Don't mess with us. 
Don't stand up to us. Do exactly what we say. Assyrians would behead their enemies um, and then create a pyramid of heads that they would just leave. They'd leave all these severed heads around, creating fear to everyone who saw it. So many, um, many, and then many of the people who they didn't kill were just deported out of their out of their nation and from homelands into slavery. So. In these verses that I just read where Isaiah is talking about no more distress and there's light and no more gloom and all these things. He's talking to people who have just experienced this. Who, who right around the corner, they've got a pyramid of severed heads. And he's saying no more gloom. Everything's going to be great. No more distress. Can you imagine hearing that after experiencing the Assyrians? He says, you're going to have joy like when warriors divide the plunder. Um, so in ancient times, when you defeated your enemy, uh, you, if you were still alive, if you made it through the battle, it was a time for celebration, right? That you were terrified or you were amped up and you were fighting your enemy, fighting to the death. You won. <laughs> It's a time for celebration um, and, and celebrate, that, celebrate to God, celebrate that God kept you alive. And it, it was just, it's a, it's a euphoric time. So after you won, you would go back over the battlefield and you would basically pick up all the things of value on your enemies or, or, or even on your friends. And you bring all that stuff together and you would divide the plunder and it was, it, was a, it was a time of celebration. Basically, you had all this stuff and it would be divided amongst you. And so it's, 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 it's like a victory celebration or a victory lap. Um, and this, was, this is very different from the state of mind that the Israelites would have been in at that moment because they lost. They had lost. So the question for Isaiah is, what do we have to celebrate? It, we watch people that we love be tortured. What, what do we have to say? This is a dark time in our lives or a dark time in our nation. What do we, what, what, what should we be celebrating, Isaiah? And Isaiah's response would be this. For unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and the peace, there will be no end. And again, be with them. Like in this moment, they've just had an awful, awful loss. He's talking about peace. Prince of peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Certainly be um, hard to believe. Many of you know that 
Christians often use verse six to refer to uh, Christmas. A son is born, uh, son is given. We've quoted it many times today. Uh, and that seems to make sense. Some Bible scholars think that Isaiah, though, in this, this little section, isn't just predicting Jesus' first arrival, but his second arrival. That they're, 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 he's, he's combining them. He's saying, a son's going to be born and a son's going to be given and the government's going to be on his shoulders. And when, 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 he, when he says government's going to be on his shoulders, that just basically means the son, he's going to be in charge of everything. He's going to take care of everything. Every, the weight's on his shoulders to, to make things right. And, and clearly, when Jesus shows up the first time, that didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't happen. They're taking, they think that Isaiah is taking these two ideas and he's saying, Jesus is going to come, he's going to be born, but when he comes again, it's going to be really great. It's going to be really great. And there's going to be peace that passes understanding. He's going to be the prince of peace. I say, Isaiah is saying, in this dark time that we're facing, or, or you know, that, that we're about to face, let's, let's focus on celebrating this son, this son that's going to be given, um, and eventually one day will reign. Uh, and in the meantime, celebrate him. Celebrate so that when his kingdom comes, his will will be done in you and in everywhere. Um, his kingdom will spread in your lives like fire, uh, enough, enough to get you through this darkness. I love that Burry referred to the idea that Christmas is not always fun for everyone. And for me, I, you know, I love Christmas, so I forget that. The darkness that any of you may be going through now, he is with you. Like Bree said, he is with you. And we can celebrate that. We have the opportunity to understand that in a way that Isaiah's original readers never could have understood. Never could have understood. That's, that's something to celebrate. Like when, if, I was in, if I was sitting there listening to Isaiah say these things, I'm like, you are out of your mind. I don't want to hear these things. But thousands of years past, we can see it in a way that they could not see it. That's exciting. That's exciting. We have a glorious future that we can celebrate too. So often, often I can endure almost anything if I know that there's this glorious thing on the other end of it, right? Like you're going through something, but if you know there's a payoff, if you know there's something great at the end, you can say, I can do this. I can put almost anything. Isaiah is asking us to think about and learn to celebrate the glorious future waiting for us that would not be possible without Jesus coming to earth. And we can learn to celebrate our future better by just pausing, just pausing for a second and considering just what it costs Jesus to show up here and give us the gift of a glorious future, of a glorious now, but a glory, way better future. I don't often pause and think, what did it cost for him to show up? So that I can, I can pause and, and just mean him together and say, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for coming here. It means the world to me. He came 
to this earth, like love, 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 brief picture of rolled up sleeves, Jesus came to this earth to get messy. Like he came to wander into our darkness and be the light. And it's, it was expensive for him to come here. It was expensive for him to come. The more we celebrate and meditate on that, the more willing we'll be to let his kingdom come, let his will be done. You know, when, when someone's paid so much to be with you, you're like, oh, <laughs> Well, how do you want to do this? What do you want to do here? We can learn to celebrate our future better by pausing to consider just what it costs for Jesus to show up. The cost for Jesus to come here and give us a glorious future was infinitely expensive. I've shared with many of you guys before um, that, that I have some friends who've cared for two, two daughters with uh, Huntington's disease. Um, and I, if you don't know, Huntington's disease is basically a slow death sentence. Uh, it's awful. Yeah, it's, to say it's awful is an understatement. It is, if you have it, it will take your life. Um, and it begins slowly. Sometimes people don't, it doesn't show up in your life till like your 30s, 30s to 50s. But um, sometimes it shows up early. Huntington's disease damages the brain. Uh, per, you know, a person will lose ability to reason in the early stages. Uh, so impulse control, gone. With first impulses, if they want something, they take it. If they, if they want to say something, they say it. And at first you think, well, oh, that's, that person's just a jerk. Your memory's affected. It's an increasing inability to analyze things, to process information. Your verbal fluency goes down, uh, dramatically reduced. And the disease is just getting started. Because then you begin to lose ability to control your body. Um, feeding yourself becomes difficult. Uh, you, you simply getting the fork from the plate to your mouth is super difficult. Uh, and so when, when you're eating, you, you make a huge mess. I mean, they, you, literally, they, they have to lay down a tarp under you because you're, you, you're get, you get that messy. Well, certainly walking becomes a challenge. And you're always in danger of falling. So showering alone is impossible. Uh, you need someone to help you with that basic need. And eventually you lose bladder control and forced to wear diapers and, and, and more and more body control is lost until you're bedridden, waiting, waiting for death. So uh, for many of us, for many of us, you know, we're not afraid of death. You're like, you know, if, if I died, you know, but the loss of independence, like, to be in a situation like this, where you can't even shower by yourself, we're, we're afraid of that. We're terrified of that. We're terrified of that. That's like our nightmare. Now imagine this. Imagine choosing it. Imagine picking it. Imagine there's a context where if you were willing to choose the slow death of Huntington's disease that the Huntington's disease would bring to you, that you would be able to give someone else a glorious future. What if someone was willing to do that for you? Shouldn't, shouldn't a person who is willing to, to make a choice like that be celebrated? So understand this. The descent that Jesus makes from God to stable 
is far greater, far infinitely greater than any descent that we would make from being healthy to having Huntington's disease. It is far greater and far more humbling. And as horrific as Huntington's disease is, it does not compare to the descent that Jesus made in order to to give us a glorious future. And he chose it. And without him choosing it, darkness. Without him choosing it, darkness. A darkness far greater than the Assyrians' brutality. For unto us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will take care of everything. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God and Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. That must be celebrated. That should be celebrated. Uh, if we celebrate the sacrifice and future that, that it brought us, it will change us. It will make us, it will make us more like him. It will make us better. Um, each, week, each week when we take communion, we acknowledge the cost that Jesus paid to show up into our mess. We, we stand back and we say, wow, thank you for showing up. Thank you for what you paid to show up. If we give any thought to this descent into the manger and onto this earth, then we know the kind of courage and sacrifice that, that in our normal lives we would celebrate without even trying. When we take communion, we also look forward to a glorious future uh, that Isaiah talks about and we want to celebrate it. When we know we have something coming and we believe it, we celebrate that. We dwell on it. We, we dwell on it to help us get through right now. When we do that, it gives us the focus and motivation to live for Christ and obey him and live for him now. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us together as we prepare to celebrate communion together. Um, but but here's, here's, here's what I'd like for you to do this time. Meditate on and celebrate what it cost him to show up, to come here. What it cost him to do that, that descent. Let's celebrate that as we take communion together. Let's pray. Dear Father, I take for granted constantly what it took for you to come, to send your son to come here and make possible light in darkness. Light that can't be put out, can't be extinguished. Uh, It is beyond my ability to articulate. It is beyond my ability to understand. But I pray that in these moments while we're taking communion together, that you would reveal something to us, reveal more to us, help us to create some space right now. There's tons of stuff that we have to do and we're thinking of. And um, I pray that you help us create some space right now and you just reveal just a, just a little bit of what it was like or what we need to understand about what it costs for you to be here. I pray that as we celebrate that, it will motivate us. It will motivate us to have a different kind of relationship with you. 
a relationship that uh, that's more uh, more in sync or more uh, more of a, an appropriate response to what you've done to be here. A son has been given. And we are so, so grateful he was. Help us to appreciate that and celebrate it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.